Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 1, Episode 6, This Year's Model, in which a modeling school sets up shop at Lawndale High and everyone you'd expect, plus Trent, gets (laughs) starry-eyed. Oh, Trent. Oh, Trent. So this premiered on April 7th, 1997, and it was written by Laura Keitlinger and Glenn Eichler. You may recognize Keitlinger's name, and if you Googled her, you might recognize her face also. Uh, She is an actress, writer, and stand-up comedian who wrote for, among other things, Saturday Night Live and Will and Grace. This is her only episode of Daria. Eichler is, of course, a co-creator of the show, whose contributions include Esteemsters and Café Disaffecto. So let's get straight into our Beat by Beat. We open on Daria and Jane sitting in Daria's room, watching Six Ad World. The two talk about the circumstances surrounding Daria's room's interesting decor. The old schizophrenic shut-in. <laughs> Daria says it has pros and cons. You can't hurt yourself in here, but you also can't hurt anyone else either. Yes. I love that this is a point of contention between Daria and her mother. Yes. Daria wants the the walls to be padded and her mother does not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> That's right. For, for those who, who aren't, who haven't, watched uh an episode of daria or just kind of like following along with our beat by beats like daria's room is this it's like half padded and there's like these sawed off bars on the windows and there's like a handrail mm-hmm. kind of going along it because uh the people who used to live in the house before them kept their schizophrenic shut-in grandmother in <laughs> in that room as you do yeah as you do it's perfect it's perfect for daria it's it's exactly the room that daria would have and she says that um, or she pretends to have poor, um, poor balance. Poor balance. Like she, she <laughs> pretends to stumble and catch the handrail whenever the mother mentions redoing the room. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, the next day in class, Mr. O'Neill is teaching Thoreau and understandably frustrated by his students' ineptitude. When Miss Lee interrupts to announce that a team of talent scouts from Amazon Models are coming to Lawndale High as part of a national search. So we should talk about Amazon Models. Yeah, it is. Um riffing off of Barbizon modeling, modeling. Uh, school, I suppose it is, right? It, it has to be. Uh, this was something that you pointed out that I, it, like, it totally flew right by me. Well, the only reason I know about it is because a friend of mine actually went through Barbizon modeling. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, modeling school. Oh, I keep saying that weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just call it Barbizon. Um, yeah, I, I remember going to the graduation um, thing where you know people walk down the catwalk and everything. Um, I remember her learning a lot of etiquette, mm-hmm. so it seems appropriate that it started out as a charm school. Yeah, it actually it originated as as a fairly legitimate charm school back in the 1930s. 
but has kind of evolved into a chain of individually owned and operated franchises. Uh, New Jersey alone has four Barbizon locations. A <laughs> uh, simple search for Barbizon turns up all sorts of conflicting information, and getting all the way to the bottom of it is way beyond the scope of this show. But suffice to say, even if Barbizon is legitimate and not a straight-up scam, which some people claim it to be, mm-hmm. there are countless modeling agencies and schools running a modeling agency scam, you know, doing, and they were doing their thing with great efficacy back in the 90s. Because so many teenage girls want to be models. Right. Everyone wants to be the next child star. Everyone wants to be the next model. Everyone wants to be the next big name. So this group from Amazon Models is coming to Lawndale High as part of a national search. Uh, and the most promising student is going to receive a professional modeling contract. Dari and Jane point out the moral issues inherent to promoting the modeling agency to or promoting the modeling industry to a bunch of vulnerable high school students but the agency's giving the school sweet sweet cash so mrs lee just kind of whistles right past that she wants a bulletproof she wants bulletproof skylights skylights not even windows skylights (laughs) for the swimming pool for the swimming pool i don't know how many of of your swim meets were interrupted by sniper fire but around this around too many to count Actually, our high school didn't have a pool, but the hazing. Oh, so you never had, you never had like swimming in gym class? No. Oh God, you're so lucky. But the hazing in our school was if people asked, if someone asked directions, you'd tell them to go to go the... to the pool. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. It was like take the elevator to the third floor and go to the pool or something like that, like something really ridiculous. <laughs> I love that. Take the elevator to the third floor and go to the pool. Uh, I will make a note of maybe one of my favorite lines. And this is an episode with a lot of great lines, but one of my favorite ones is pretty understated. And it's when Mrs. Lee walks in and says, oh, I hope I'm not interrupting the learning process. And Mr. O'Neill just goes, oh, no. (laughs) In the cafeteria, Dari and Jane are joined by Jody who's about to make a lunch out of what appears to be a pack of saltines and a half pint of milk. I didn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, Daria and Jane chide her for it, but she points out that if a kid wants to take a voluntary modeling class, it's not up to Daria or Jane or anyone to tell him or her that they can't do it. Jody's wisdom once again. Yep. Yep. I think if we had a if we had some kind of scale where we kept track of like the the meaningfulness slash like value of each character's lines Jody would be like number one with a bullet, like all the way up at the top. Yeah, followed possibly by Jane. Maybe, yeah. Especially this, especially early on, as, as you know, Jane's been sort of this this moderating voice for Daria almost. Mm-hmm. And and you know, she doesn't get as many lines as you might think, but you know, she makes them count. And I think Jody, it goes above and beyond with that in terms of like what we're looking for in the show in terms of like. So social consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jody says, you know, it's not up to Daria or Jane or anyone to tell someone that they can't take a voluntary modeling class. Modeling class. Uh, Daria compares the modeling agency to a strip bar recruiting at the high school and everybody agrees not to tell Brittany about such a thing. Poor Brittany. Poor, poor Brittany. Uh, we kind of get to see Daria, like Daria standing on principle as she does, like as Daria do, but coming off a little harshly for it. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm starting to get a little um tired of the ditz shaming slash slut shaming of Britney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'll hesitate to speak for the rest of the show, but yeah, it definitely stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's part of that, kind of what we mentioned in the last episode, like because it's happening to Brittany, you're just inclined to not care about it as much, or mm-hmm. at least the show intends for you to not care about it as much because it's happening to Brittany. Right. Minor character, butt of joke, move on. Totally. Totally. And, it's, and you know, it's not okay. Like as as little as I tend to like Brittany, especially this early on, um, it's still, it's, it's a bummer to have all of these things like focused on her when she's not really doing anything to anyone beyond just being popular and a cheerleader. Right. And you add to that, that it's other women in the show that are making fun of her. Right. That are tearing her down. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need that. No. We have enough adversity. I'm really curious to know what the hell Daria and Jody is going to look like when they bring this show back. I'm really excited about it. I am too. I mean, I'm, we're only six episodes in and I'm like, yes, Jody is going to rectify everything that's wrong with these episodes. Jody's going to fix all our problems. <laughs> Off in economics class, the teacher is giving an important lesson about how the fashion industry survives by making consumers focus on style over function and durability when she's interrupted by the Amazon talent scouts. The scouts are basically every bit as intolerable as we'd feared. Um, Brittany is, of course, over the moon. She gives the agency folks a runway walk through the classroom. The dress she is wearing. Right. <laughs> she was Well, she's wearing, like, she's wearing a straight-up overcoat on top of it, first of all. I guess just to get through the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she's wearing an evening dress under that. Yeah. Coat. And the talent scouts are immediately impressed, but they quickly turn their attention to Daria, who shoots them down. They also turn their attention to Jane first. Right. Was the indication that the male talent scout made about her breasts that like she has too large of breasts? So then I think it was so this is this is when uh Brittany is doing her Mm-hmm. her like catwalk through the yeah. through the row in the middle of the classroom in the middle of economics class um i want to say he was asking if she had implants oh like because he, he was he was looking over toward romanica mm-hmm. um who we'll get to because holy oh, hell yeah um i want to say because he does that he does this like cupping motion yes. with his hands and i don't know i don't think romanica gives him a response I can't remember. I don't recall what it was, um, what it was. I just thought that because he did that and then they turned their attention to um Daria, which they called Waif like. Who yes. they called Waif like. Um in a time when that heroin chic thing was a popular look. Mm-hmm. Like it made me think, Oh, is Brittany not the type of um, body they're looking for right and we'll actually get to that a little bit later too because she does get she does eventually get rejected by yeah. this is our introduction to as we mentioned Romanica Romanica and her accent which I think we might just slip like a supercut or something of her lines into because this episode at some point amazing. it's incredible at first I think she's kind of Spanish maybe kind of Spanish Italian Maybe. I'm getting some of that. Uh-huh. Um, but then she goes off into these... Bronx-like... Yeah. <laughs> she... I'll, slip in a, I'll slip in a clip from, from this scene right here, and, and I'll let y'all decide for yourselves, because holy shit. 
Holy shit. <laughs> Jess, sleep out of that jacket and do a little runway, sweetie. Helen's in the middle of trashing the parents of anyone willing to get caught up in such schemes when Quinn walks in and reveals she has willingly gotten caught up in such a scheme. <laughs> she says, modeling, age, modeling is an extremely competitive activity. And Quinn says, so is dating if you do it right. <laughs> this is a good episode for Quinn. Yes. Every episode is a good episode for Quinn, but this is a good episode for Quinn. Mm-hmm. We get a commercial break, but come right back to the dinner table, where Quinn's in the middle of trying to convince her parents to let her give this modeling thing a shot. Helen's taking charge and pointing out to Quinn that modeling is a terrible lifestyle, driven driven entirely by looks, but Quinn is mostly perplexed that there's any other way. With perfect time... She's been dreaming of the entire time. (laughs) She's like, that's my life right now. Like, what... (laughs) With perfect timing, the modeling agency calls and asks to speak to Helen. And here's Romanica. Here's Romanica, maybe in her, her, maybe in her best scene. Yes. I think she's in the middle of getting a Brazilian. Yes, and the accent just fluctuates. The accent goes everywhere. I'm gonna uh, there. I'm going to just include like a giant clip of her talking here because it's so hard to really describe how it goes. But suffice to say, when Daria answers the phone and Romanica announces herself, Daria. <laughs> Daria responds, I am Daria Morgendorfer. <laughs> you know, Helen, I spend much time around the world's top models. and They've all had that special something. I see millions of girls that have a little something, but it's not special. What Quinn has is special. Quinn is a pearl in a bed of oysters. Romanica? <laughs> I'm not going to get tired of that. Uh, Romanica tells... Helen, that Quinn has been selected with a handful of other female students to participate in a complimentary modeling class. The word complimentary gets Helen and Jake's attention, and after a bit of flattery and Helen taking note of how depressed Quinn looks, Helen acquiesces. Daria gets roped into going to the class as well, just to keep an eye on Quinn, but reveals she was planning on going anyway, sensing the opportunity for sisterly humiliation. I think this is a really strong scene for Helen as a mother. She's handling the situation well um she's telling quinn that her saying no has nothing to do with her body right which (laughs) Um, i mean that's an important distinction for you know for the mother of a teenage daughter like you need to be able to cut that off at the pass right um but i mean it's worth noting that quinn really has no body insecurity right quinn Quinn has more esteem than (laughs) Than most any teenage girl that's ever lived. Yes, she does. As we established in Esteemsters. But, I mean, Helen also falls prey to the flattery and the, you know, the salesmanship of Romanica. The idea that this is a free class uh, gets gets her attention. Um, We we love free things. Of course. We should note that this is, you know, this is how some of these modeling scams do work. They offer some upfront, like appraisal of some kind and then all of a sudden you're suckered into oh well if you take this and this and this class we can improve on such and such thing because there are definitely things you need to improve on oh of course daria at one point uh early on in the in this conversation mentions she brings up bulimia as being associated with earning a career in modeling and there's a fair amount of that kind of talk in this episode especially early on uh which is one of those things that makes me wonder how this episode would look if it were made in 2018 yeah like i feel like the 
associating modeling with eating disorders was it was a go-to joke yeah back in the day like i said the heroin chic thing was big in the 90s especially early 90s i believe but i do remember um several uh, several actresses uh coming out and talking about their body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. um so it was a it was a joke that became an issue. Yeah, probably somewhere around now. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing I'm wondering is like when that happened compared to when this was written, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm I'm thinking back to like you know jokes on sitcoms of like oh why don't you two go share an M M&M and M or something like that, um, or just straight up saying like yeah you know why don't you go go throw up about it or like something like that, and and it's like today I don't know if that joke gets made. Because I think I think we've yeah, come far know. enough to not like use eating disorders as an attack on. I think that you think very highly of humanity. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the expectations of models to be thin mm-hmm. uh, is still a thing. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And we have um, it, we have some companies and and some models that are that are body positive and we've got more plus size models being uh being visible but the expectation to be thin uh is not just you know in the modeling world but in you know our everyday world and that's exacerbated by the fact that most of the clothes on the racks are meant for people who have like very Almost little impossibly. figure yeah. yeah very small people whereas the average size of an american woman is much larger more like a 16 mm-hmm. than you know a you know a 12 or under right. <laughs> but i thought i i don't question whether it would be brought up i think it would it would have to be brought up like the idea of of eating disorders and people like you know taking drastic actions to make themselves you know what they think of as the ideal uh, or what society thinks of as the ideal. Um, like, I think it would be brought up. My question is whether it would be... Joked about. Yeah, whether it would be just a punchline. I think we get more of the, like, go eat a cheeseburger kind of joke. Yeah. Which, Which... is also not fair. Right. Not cool, guys. <laughs> Nissa locked eyes with me when she said, not cool, guys. <laughs> At the modeling class held in the auditorium, uh, the fashion club plus a decoy, which is apparently just like a slightly larger classmate of Quinn and the fashion club. Yeah. Yet another instance of fat shaming in this show. Yeah. You know, we had the hypoglycemic woman in the, um, uh, what episode was it? That was Cafe Disaffecto. Cafe Disaffecto. Yep. And Yeah. So much fat shaming. Yeah. Which, I'll, you know, again, it's the time, you know. And it's not just the time. But, no, but but also, like, and, and yeah, there is there is something to be said for, like, for as far as we've come on, like, what's okay to make fun of and what's not okay to make fun of, the obese have really not escaped. Mm-hmm. Yep. They haven't they haven't gotten out of the way of, of any of it. Like it, it's it's still pretty brutal. Yep. Uh, and And this this girl is not even obese. No. 
She's just not waif thin. Right. She's not quin shaped. Yeah. Quin shaped. <laughs> so at the class, the fashion club plus uh, that other student are being taught how to work the runway. Uh, Quinn's accepting all sorts of praise for the job she's doing while Daria and Jane look on from the empty seats in the audience. Uh, Trent shows up out of nowhere under the auspice of research since he's a musician and destined to spend his time around models. I love that assumption. Yeah. Considering that Trent's style mm-hmm. suggests <laughs> he's not going anywhere near a model. No, no. <laughs> also, these are high school students. Yeah. He's trolling at at the high school auditorium. <laughs> yes, he is. How do you even find out about the Jane, I suppose? I don't know what to tell you. Well, he's definitely not going to. I mean, does anyone seem more connected and in the know than Trent Lane? He doesn't even leave his house. <laughs> he doesn't even leave the basement. Yeah. He doesn't even practice his guitar. He sleeps with it. That counts, as long as you don't drop it. <laughs> Brittany shows up out of nowhere. As the modeling agency has told her she's not model material. Kevin shows up, also out of nowhere, trying to comfort Brittany, but abandons his post when the agency folks call male volunteers up from the audience to work with the models. And he's handpicked. Of course. Daria leaves to make a phone call. Hmm, I wonder what that phone call was. Oh, it's called foreshadowing. Chekhov's phone call. And we will we will get to a more overt version of this a little bit later on. But uh, I just want to point out the show yet again going out of its way to sexualize Quinn, who yes. we have determined through exhaustive research is a freshman. Is a freshman. She's fourteen, fifteen years old, right? Yeah. It, it, it fits in with this episode because this modeling agency, like the modeling industry is treated as a predatory thing that that creates a a sort of sexualization where one need not be and mm-hmm. and goes out of its way to um you know sexualize you know people who are probably way too young to be sexualized yeah quinn would probably be in a delia's magazine <laughs> 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 right? I mean, like a 14-year-old model, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, Quinn does work that catwalk well. Yes, yes. This is not a matter of her being pressured into it. She's all about it, and she's actually kicking ass. Which I feel like is the story with Quinn all the time. You right. Know, usually. I mean, we'll get we'll get to, you know, later in this scene, but mm-hmm. um, usually... You know, she is willing to get into whatever mischief, right. sexual or otherwise, <laughs> you know, she gets into. Uh, she's a willing participant. She exercises a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really cool. It's also something I hadn't noticed, you know, in prior views of the show. So what did Rob in 1997 think of Quinn? I'm curious. I, I kind of viewed her the same way as Daria views her. Where she's just an annoying younger sister. Uh-huh. Like, when she's speaking, I would much rather we're focused on whatever Daria and Jane are doing. Okay. That was how I saw her in 1997. I, I think 
you know, as the show moved on and as I like grew up, I appreciated her more for like what she was actually doing in the show. Um, but I think that's interesting that um, the kind of influence that the show's um, main character had mm-hmm. on your your view of this character. 100%. When, when it's possibly, when she's possibly meant to be, you know, viewed otherwise by the writers. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, the power of Daria. <laughs> this show, much like Quinn, has layers. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> this is what happens when we record two episodes in a day, is we have callbacks. That... <laughs> well, callbacks that knock the show off the rails. Mary Berry never in gets wonderful old. Ways. No, Mary Berry never gets old. <laughs> despite her age, <laughs> despite, despite being incredibly old, Mary Berry never gets old. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out uh, again. Uh, a line that I really appreciated uh, this one from Kevin and it's and, it, and again it's a very like kind of small bit but uh, when Brittany is out in the audience crying with Dari and Jane and Trent and Kevin comes over to comfort her uh, Jane explains like oh yeah she's sad to be out here with us losers and Kevin just kind of looks up from comforting Brittany and goes oh yeah I can see that <laughs> yes <laughs> oh Kevin occasionally he's just so so good so the agency folks have the male volunteers working shirtless with the female models, quote, rubbing their hands over those virile young chests. Quinn is uncomfortable and asks to leave, just in time for Principal Lee to walk in and wonder why the hell a bunch of young female students are rubbing shirtless male students on stage in the auditorium. She breaks up the class immediately. This is what I'm talking about with Quinn. Um, this is the scene where we finally see her in a situation where she's uncomfortable and not a willing participant. And she needs to make an exit immediately. Absolutely. And she does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and go Quinn. Yeah. There's something, there's, there absolutely is something to be said for a 14, 15 year old girl feeling pressured sexually in a way that she doesn't want to feel pressured and making a hasty exit mm-hmm. and, and being affirmative about it. Like just. Yes, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I think this is really great, consistent writing. Yes. Uh, for, for her character. <clears throat> it is worth mentioning that the way she makes that exit, is, or the way that exit is sort of made for her, is like potentially one of the raunchiest jokes on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want them, they want you. All that remains is to find some place to let desire run free. To go to the bathroom. Are you sure that's what you're feeling? Yes. So, am I reading too far into that, or was that a joke about Quinn being turned on? Ah, uh, yeah, you read that just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're back to sexualizing Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Just when we thought we were, there. were getting better. We were there. And then the So the whole scenario here is really weird where you have adults asking these teenage boys to take their shirts off and have teenage girls rub their chests. It's like, I don't know. I feel like the show is pulling some weird homophobic shit by having that modeling agency man telling these teenage boys to take their shirts off and get sexy with teenage (laughs) girls on stage i mean the implication is that he's gay here right i 
think so. I, I guess. think so. I think so. I don't. I don't know if they go out of their way to make him like lecherous about it. No, not lecherous, but he. But he definitely is excited about this scenario. Yeah. Maybe it's just from a voyeuristic standpoint. I don't know. Um, it's weird either way. But I think that the just... show is really relying on some uh, some stereotypes that are that are old. Yeah. And not fair. Haha! Ha, this this modeling agency guy is gay and making these young children do what he right. wants right and of of course if he's gay he must be a pedophile he must be as a well. predator and yeah. yeah it's ridiculous yeah so not cool <laughs> also did you lock eyes with me again for that no not cool? i didn't okay <laughs> you did point a finger i pointed um, yes <laughs> also yeah can we appreciate kevin takes off his shirt but leaves the football padding on there is much appreciation so here. good at the morgendorfer residence the next day quinn is talking about her future as a famous model while helen is trying to talk her down and pointing out that they only agreed to the one class the next day or so at school everyone's assembled in the auditorium to hear who won the modeling contract principal lee is about to make the announcement when she's interrupted by a handful of mercenaries for hire so good <laughs> looking to recruit high schoolers interested in the exciting and bloodthirsty world of geopolitical violence they reveal they'll be holding a complimentary class in the auditorium a few days from now, much to Principal Lee's surprise. Turns out that phone call Daria made was to these mercenary folks and to the media, who walk in just in time to find the mercenary leader talking to the high school principal and waving the check she supposedly wrote for him. Later that night, the Morgendorfers are watching the news, which is running the story. The anchor is quick to point out that while Lee claims to have nothing to do with the mercenaries, she did allow a modeling agency to solicit students on school grounds. So this general of the the mercenary for hire, the mercenaries for hire, General Buck Conroy, uh, is voiced by Kino Ryder, who does a really fantastic job. Uh, I I kind of love the parallel drawn between the world of fashion and the world of army recruitment. Absolutely, they're both so competitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth noting uh, Blackwater, the most notorious private military company, which you might know from its exploits in Iraq, um, was formed in 1997. So right around when this episode was airing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's revealed that the school never did find out who got the modeling contract, but an article in the newspaper Daria's reading claims Kevin is the lucky winner. Uh, cut to his first photo shoot shows that modeling is every bit as brutal as we might expect. And we go to credits. Can I just say that I think Miss Lee has the best line of the show in the auditorium. <laughs> she says, that's what happens when gonads rule the roost. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, if you have a roost. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> I agree with you that I love the, the parallel that's drawn between the um, fashion world and the army recruitment world. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if the um, if Barbizon or these other modeling school agencies 
solicited on high school grounds, but I definitely know that they were in malls. Right. Um, so looking back at our previous episode, mauled. Yep. <laughs> you know, they were part of that, you know, <laughs> that racket there. That predatory mall environment. Exactly. Um, military recruits on high school yes. grounds all the time. Yeah, it's pretty much a staple of high schools. And and then in colleges, you have the ROTC as well. So, um, you know, perhaps it's even more serious than <laughs> the soliciting from, from about the modeling schools. Yeah, I like that the show decides to step it up in that commentary. Yeah. Um, and say, well, you know, this might not seem so bad, but when you say bring in these mercenaries, <laughs> then you're kind of drawing the direct line. Yeah, and that's you know I was talking about last episode where I was I felt like they didn't draw a direct enough line between like Upchuck and the predatory mall environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the line that's drawn at the very end of this episode is like exactly kind of what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I think that maybe the reason that the people in this scenario didn't see a problem with the modeling school soliciting on school grounds is because they're preying on women, Mm -hmm. whereas the mercenaries are preying upon the boys in the school um, who are, you know, (laughs) going to die if they... (laughs) You can possibly die if they go in that situation, but, um, but yeah, I mean, women, girls are you know subject to predators constantly, so you know why not, right? Right. It's a sad, sad thing, but, um, but I think you're right that that line drawn between the two of them is is excellent here. Do we want to move into cultural context? Sure. Yeah. I found it kind of interesting that the modeling agency in this episode isn't called out as being a scam, a la Barbizon, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of a representation of just how grotesque and cutthroat the legitimate modeling world is all on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, with Romanica. Romanica. <laughs> Especially since the modeling school scam, you know, it goes back decades. Right. Uh, the the grift for that is is pretty straightforward. Uh, you get someone charismatic and good looking to talk to vulnerable teenagers, or Romanica, <laughs> or the parents of young children, and you you sell this idea that the next young superstar is right here, uh, and you sign them up for a bunch of expensive classes and such, and they all, of course, are up paid for up front. Uh, and then after your child graduates, you're told the next step involves getting them in front of the world's most, the world's foremost talent scouts, which surprise, surprise costs significantly more and so on and so on. And typically, you know, as we mentioned, this sort of thing does its recruiting in malls and shopping centers and increasingly across, you know, social media, Instagram, things like that. So in the nineties, New Jersey would have been a perfect stomping ground oh, for, for Barbizon, since, as we established in the last episode, it's just rife with malls. <laughs> <laughs> New Jersey is packed with malls. It's packed with Barbizon offices. Like, there is a... there. Are, we mentioned there are four Barbizon offices in New Jersey. There are only two in New York. 
Like the entire state of New York has two. Well, probably because more legitimate modeling goes on. There's probably, in New yeah, York. there's probably, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, according to the FTC, the signs that you've stumbled into a modeling scam include needing to use the agency's photographer, needing to pay a fee to your quote unquote agent uh, before they do anything on your behalf, being told the opportunity could disappear if you don't act now. <laughs> The agency only working through cash or money order. Shady biz right there. Mm -hmm. And being told all about the huge salary you could earn and being guaranteed work. All, all those things. Suspect. Right. And you may not think of them as suspect if you're all caught up in the idea that you could be the next, I don't know, who's a popular model at this point. I really don't know. Yeah. My mind went immediately to Kardashian. Okay. One of them. There's like, there's like 10 i guess <laughs> it's a good thing we're doing cultural context about stuff in the 90s because we sure as shit can't do cultural context for 2018 <laughs> my mind went to cindy crawford <laughs> perfect we're the people you chose to listen to for the last hour uh, <laughs> do we want to rank this episode four okay So our current episode ranking, I believe, has Cafe Disaffecto, followed by Mauled, followed by College Board, followed by Esteemsters, and then below that we have, I believe, Sealed with a Kick and The Invitation. All the way at the bottom. All the way at the bottom. I don't think this episode will be all the way at the bottom. No, I actually enjoyed this episode. Yes. Quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I think because it actually lands some of the punches that I wish mauled hadn't pulled a little bit or at least in my opinion hadn't pulled a little bit even though mauled ended up being number two on the list i feel like this sits either right there or a little bit above yeah like <clears throat> i feel like it's i feel like it's in the vicinity of mauled i don't know if that means it's number two or number three right um i do think that as you said the or is it better than cafe disaffecto oh I need to put on my thinking hat here. <laughs> I think I I I enjoy Cafe Disaffecto more as an episode, just in general. But I think that the ridiculousness of Cafe Disaffecto um, paired with the amount that Daria is actually involved in Cafe right. Disaffecto really makes that stay on top. Yeah. But here... Wait, what is this called again? <laughs> this is uh, this year's model. This year's model, right? yeah. which is probably the worst title so far. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a very good title. Yeah. I mean, where's the pun? <laughs> I want the pun. Um, it definitely, you know, puts it a little lower. Daria doesn't play as large a role in this. Correct. Although she does make the last, she does. She is the driving force behind how this, how the episode ends. But also that in and of itself, to me, is a little weird because, like, I, the end of the episode is a little weird to me because it feels a little Deus Ex Machina. Like, 
they come out of no and and you know it, it was sort of designed this way like you have daria making that phone call it alludes to her making that phone call or it mm-hmm. says outright she's making that phone call so so it's not like it comes completely out of nowhere but it does feel very much like a oh we needed to end this episode so yeah yeah i see what you mean what i wonder is what kind of forgery is she committing <laughs> where she's writing a check for the principal <laughs> yeah yeah that that also is is a little that's a bit of a dodgy detail they can't lie on their transcripts <laughs> but but <laughs> she could totally forge some checks which means she and she you know ostensibly had to like get that check from like miss lee's office or something so like that so she's stealing from miss lee uh-huh. Man, why That's didn't gutsy. we see this stuff in the episode? <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather have watched that than than Brittany. the homophobia on stage. Yeah, than the homophobia on stage or Britney crying about Britney. Yeah, Britney there was a lot of high pitched crying. I'm yes. just like, I don't think I can keep watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Overall that like there's so much in this episode to love. Like there's so many great little lines you have Romanica for as intolerable as she is as a human being is really damn funny as a character. Yeah. Her accent is incredible. Um So does this go above or below mauled? What are your thoughts on that? I really don't know. (laughs) I think I agree with you that the end of this episode is more satisfying than the end of Mauled, that it landed Mm -hmm. in just the right place. You know, Um, it made its point clearly. Yeah. Even if it feels a little out of left field, it's also like tying together a connection that is pretty solid. Like it it does. It makes its point. Mm hmm. This is when I start to be like, why are we ranking these things? <laughs> <laughs> I think to to me between the the lines that stand out and the connections that are drawn and the amount of criticism like direct criticism that there is of modeling and and you know the predatory nature of modeling agencies and talent scouts uh, especially in a high school setting, I think that pushes it above mauled. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think that Is this like a 2 and 2A kind of thing to you? What do you mean? Like do they feel pretty much right on the same level? Kind of. I think okay. So here's my problem. I feel like ranking this above mauled mm-hmm. is is saying that all the weird shit in this episode is okay. I mean, the mauled episode is criticizing Upchuck. It's criticizing, you know, all the different, like, wrong things that are happening in mm-hmm. this mall setting. Um, and, you know, all the predatory behavior. Um, but some of the behavior in this show is I think that on the writer's part Mm -hmm. the way that they're writing some of these these characters like the decoy girl um the talent scout um you know we we've got fat shaming we've got homophobia um we've got you know 
we've got body dysmorphia jokes. Right. Um, I it just makes me feel icky. I don't like it. <laughs> so you're, you're you're less inclined to reward the show for because even though it, it does even though it does a lot right, it still does a whole lot that you're you feel reluctant to reward right. by saying it's better it's... than the episode we saw before, which called out some of the or at least in, in subtextually called out some of the gross behavior we saw, like yeah. say out of Upchuck. Yeah, I okay. think that I think That's that fair. what's going on here is that while while the main story is trying to champion those who are being preyed upon, mm-hmm. the the jokes throughout it are punching down. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool. No, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. So I would put it probably, yeah, I would put it below mauled. All right. I think I, I can agree with that. I think it's it definitely sits around that area. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, Above that's a very good point. Board, but below mauled. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I think because both this episode and, and mauled both kind of directly criticized in ways that I wish College Board had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we have on our rankings at number one, Cafe Disaffecto. At number two, Mauled. At number three, next year's model? Or is it this year's model? This year's model. I can't get the title right. <laughs> <laughs> at number three, this year's model. Number four, College Board. Number five, Esteemsters. Number six, Sealed with a Kick. Still the best title. <laughs> and number seven, The Invitation. Yay. At some point, we will stop reading the entire list. Yeah. Um, which also, it should be mentioned, uh, because I don't think we've mentioned it since like right at the very beginning, but we do have the episode rankings available to view on our website. Yay. Yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> You should check out. I should check out our website. You should check out this podcast. It's, it's called Morgan Dorks. It's got a good thing going. And that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Morgan Dorks. Uh, email us at morgandorks at gmail.com. Or check out our website, morgandorks.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com, where you can find our episode rankings. <laughs> Nissa Lee. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> also, uh, mentioned it last episode, but we're on Facebook now. Uh, check out fb.me slash morgandorks.podcast, or just search for morgandorks. Yeah, you should probably just say search yeah, for morgandorks. it'll be there. I think that's what we'll do going forward. Or we'll just say we're on Facebook and we'll assume that you know how to. <laughs> how to, how to use do the things Facebook. on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Diary Reborn. Uh, link, as with several other links, will be in the show notes. Uh, and also, as always, thank you, Nissa. Thank you, Rob. And thank you, listeners. Uh, we'll see you again in two weeks for Season 1, Episode 7, The Lab Brat, here on Morgan Dorks. Woo!